all the topics I mentioned and go into the site again and you'll see the links there at the end of the show. You can check the stories out for yourself. I try, I try to use the original material, not stuff about something. I prefer it coming from the sources themselves. And it's up to you to decide what they're really saying. And that's part of the problem today, as most people cannot decipher what they're even reading. It's almost like they've been trained, uh, in fact, from school onwards, to go into a coma when they start reading something. They only remember something which titillates their senses, like sex and so on, or something really scary because they watch so many movies they like to get scared and so on. But things that really matter in their own lives uh, simply goes through their head. It just doesn't stay there. It doesn't re get retained there. And I think that's part of the conditioning process that Bertrand Russell and Aldo Huxley talked about. I think it's been very, very successful. Scientific indoctrination works very well. The media is all involved because that's what they're about. The media, remember, survives on advertising. So they understand what makes you tick. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Uh, just before I continue, I'll mention that uh, uh, the satellite went down in my house here last Wednesday, right after I mentioned the company, ExploreNet, the provider. And uh, I wasn't too happy with the, their service, and bingo, bang, down it went. And therefore, it took the whole weekend on a temporary Wi-Fi system to upload this stuff about two or three times the speed of dial-up. That's why the website's back up to scratch. The repairman for the satellite system just left the house about 10 minutes ago. And my wallet's an awful lot lighter since the visit, believe you me. So this costs a lot of money. It costs money to keep just going because it's one thing literally after another. Monday to Monday. There's no weeks here for me. There's no weekends off ever for this so I appreciate your help and it's always the same people always the same people who donate and I know for a fact if I started to put out the mystifying stuff that intrigues them because they love entertainment they'd be throwing the money at you and telling them what you want to hear they titillate your senses into a land and a world where it doesn't matter what you think you learn it won't change anything right here not a darn thing except to make it easier for the controllers to control you because they love it when you're off in some la-la lands looking into metaphysics because you're not involved in this land, this world, you see? They love this. Who do you think promoted all the New Age stuff in the first place? And why? Why? Look at the old books by the masters of this system, the guys who helped design the present day that you're living in today the Bertrand Russells of the world, the Huxleys of the world, the Wellses of the world, because they knew exactly where they were taking the world, and they kept saying they'd have to destroy the last vestiges of existing religion. But they also knew it was extremely helpful for rulers to have people believing in a particular religion, so they would create one. And in the 1950s, in the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry's own magazine, which was called the New Age. That was the name of it, put out by the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, the right of so-called perfection, just like the Albigensi. They said they would bring in a New Age. And I've mentioned before that Gorbachev, who was brought over from the Soviet Union as the president of the Soviet Union, 
a nice green man for the world. Because don't forget, the Green Party was set up in the Soviet Union by Madeleine Albright's grandpappy, a great pal of Stalin, to be the new religion, political system of the planet. Because they knew they'd have to create a religion that would go along with what they wanted to, to give us as socialism, a system where an elite lived like no other elites in history have ever lived on the backs of all the minions beneath them. That's what socialism is. With a massive bureaucracy of well-paid fat cats and sellouts who will do anything they're told to retain their positions. Massive bureaucracies worldwide. And for the masses, there'd be a religion that would couple, like Gorbachev said, a form, a form of earth worship, where, as jumping back to Huxley said, that man would have to be dethroned from his special position as a special type of life form, and you're down amongst the animals. And what do you do when there's too many animals? What does the Ministry of Natural Resources do? They kill off the excess. Well, that's what socialism today is, coupled with the greening agenda. And where does the new age come into it? Everywhere. It's in it everywhere, because people need religion, you see. And we take one away, it just pops up in another form. Therefore, the master is new to give us the one, to design one for us, which has been very heavily promoted since especially the 1960s onwards. Until it's now parts, it's the authorized world religion, the new age, the greening of the planet, coupled with the idea that the world's coming to an end if we don't obey the new gods of science. You see, these are the, new, the scientists are the new gods. And they're all rip-off merchants too. They exist on grants. That's how they live their entire lives, is on grants. If they're wrong in their theories and so on, they'd have to disband all of those groups, especially the United Nations, that live off the backs of us, maintaining this hype about global warming. Well, that's all coupled with this big gimmick that we're living through as they change society from one form of living to another. And under the guise of the greening agenda, it's a totalitarian, worldwide system called governance. Governance, not government. Because it's a new type of ruling the people. That's where panels of experts and scientists, etc., etc., that are unelected, will simply tell the politicians what to do. And that's happening. They're all appointed to every board, every parliament, every congress across the planet, these unelected scientists with NGOs to back them, non-governmental organizations. That's a new system. And governments have had the same problems all down through the millennia, whether it was kings or queens or tyrants or whatever. It's how to get the people to, to work for free their entire lives and how to stop rebellions, and how to make the people slave for free and be happy with that. Now, Huxley was a guy himself who said that the people, if they use pharmacology on the public, coupled with psychology, that's propaganda via the marketers who understand the advertising, who understand the media, that they are the media today. Everything out there in the media has a political agenda. They call it raising public awareness. When you hear that term, you're being told that this is the mandate and that you're going to parrot that one day. 
whatever the mantra happens to be, is going to become part of your conversation and you will accept this mandate because your consciousness has been raised. I call it erasing because if you think for yourself, you'd realize it's all a con. When they go out about and, and tell you they're raising public consciousness, they don't give you a choice, do they? To give a choice to people, you have to give them the whole story with all of the facts on any particular topic and let the person decide for themselves. We have a mountain of one-sidedness today. A mountain. No other opposing mountains, just one megalithic mountain. It's giving us all the spiel that comes across the mainstream media that parrots all back to us until we were all parting as well. This is, this is the, the techniques, they call it, the techniques of indoctrination, which are used perfectly today, perfectly, by mainstream media. And it's been that way for an awful long time, coupled with the fact that every new raising of public awareness starts with the school children. That's called indoctrination and idealism for those who don't know that. When governments are indoctrinating children into a form of idealism, that is not what you normally take for granted as being given an education. That's being given an indoctrination. When you bring politics and agendas into the classroom, you are no different than any totalitarian society in history. No matter how you try and justify it, no matter what nice phrases you use, like it's for the common good and the welfare of all, etc., evil is always dressed up as a beautiful thing. Because most folk, 80% of them, believe that the front facade of the cake, as soon as they see it, they can't get any further, unfortunately. And when Bertrand Russell said in the 50s, the 1950s, we shall have to bring Madison Avenue on board because they understand the techniques, the Bernays techniques of making you do things you wouldn't normally do or making you want things you normally wouldn't even buy. Advertising is a faith system, a faith-based system. That's what they sell you is hope. Hope. Everybody goes up through the same milestones in life. At certain ages, you hit the certain milestone, and you worry about this, you worry about that, and there's the marketers ready to hit you and clean you out by selling you hope. And for every fear they can drum up, they'll sell you a bunch of hope to go with it. And it never fails. Today, it's the whole greening agenda, and everybody in the media is on board with it. We're going to save the planet, but it's going to cost you. We're going to make it sure it goes green and stays green. We've got to stop global warming. We've got to stop terrorism. But you've all got to give up all of your rights in the process to do so. It's the mantra. Government is taking us, as I say, where government has always wanted us to go. That's why Orwell mentioned it in animal farm where the humans say to the pigs we've been trying to get the animals to work forever for free you've done it successfully congratulations i am alan watt we're cutting through the matrix as i say there's very few programs out there that doesn't have a spin or some other object to take you to i'm not taking you into a religion 
I'm not fronting, as I say, for a non-governmental organization. And believe you me, there's lots of sites out there, websites, well-funded websites, where if you simply look at what they're doing and what they're complaining about, often using the same kind of topics that I bring up, their goal is socialism. So regardless of it, they're all on the same path of globalism and socialism. And it can be very deceptive for people who don't know what they're getting into when they look up all of these different websites. Just look at where it would take you, that's all you have to look at. And look into who funds them and who their contacts are and their fellow NGOs and all the rest of it. It will tell you all you need to know. As far as I'm concerned, you can't, you can't trust any of the big religious guys out there because it's been well publicized in all major media and exposés since the Bush regime got out that uh, they brought them all on board. Their top pastors and ministers were all on board with the war agenda. And their job was to bring their flocks along. That's why it's so beautiful. I remember reading a lot about communism and how they loved existing organizations with lots of followers because all they had to do was put someone in as a helper who'd worked their way to the top and now you're in control of thousands, maybe even millions of people. Because, you see, followers are, are that. They're exactly that. They're followers. And they used the big religions massively, trying to convince the public and their followers that uh, this is God's will. All these ongoing wars, etc., is God's will. I've seen Christian, supposedly Christian sites, where people are talking about going to war for Jesus. Can you believe it? You wonder why outside of the U.S. the people are scratching their heads when they hear that kind of stuff. How on earth can people be so brainwashed by politics and leaders that they bypass supposedly their only leader and ignore what their only leader ever had to say? It's astonishing. And it works. On the weekend... I watched a disc, it was called Control Room, and it went through the, I hate to even call it the war in Iraq, because to me it wasn't a war. If it was a war, it was awfully one-sided. From, and it was done from inside the control rooms of Al Jazeera, and you, you, heard, you saw them speaking with the PR man for the U.S. government and all the rest of it, the military guy, and how they explained propaganda and how it works on both sides, etc., etc., but you see, the first thing that struck me was the way it was presented to the Iraqis to just, for, for Saddam is to accept that. Now, if, if you're a bunch of, supposing you went into some, because folk realize or recognize movies today, they can't think, because they don't read history books, so they can't think about history except what comes from movies. So well, let's liken this to ancient Rome. Have you ever seen people going in to bring a democracy into a people and telling them they're going to get bombed all to hell if they don't give up the guy who's dominating them. It's like saying, we're going to slaughter all the Romans if Caesar doesn't run away. And yet that's exactly what Rumsfeld and Bush did. Now remember, Rumsfeld and Cheney and so were students of Leo Strauss, who actually was a Nazi, a Nazi Jewish guy. Lots of them came over before the 40s who believed and eugenics, and they truly believed. I've got a whole bunch of the names of the people who were involved in eugenics who simply left uh, Nazi Germany when they realized that uh, they were also on the list. They didn't expect to be on the list, these guys. And 
And Strauss came to the States and taught at MIT. And he taught guys like Rumsfeld and Cheney into basically Nazi-type... So remember, Nazism is socialism, doctrines. And Strauss believed that things were very clear-cut, black and white. He loved gun smoke. He loved to watch gun smoke because it was, he was a bad guy with a black hat and, and he was a good guy who wears a white hat. It was that simple to him, you see. And when you get back to what happened in Iraq, this new American century group that we're all members, all members of, with Straussman at the top as the big guru, they literally said, and it broadcast this on the air, you'll, you'll see a broadcast in that movie control room. Saddam's got two days to get out of town. Right out of the westerns. Right out of the westerns. And so here's a people supposedly dominated by a guy who's, who who's, will slaughter them if they don't obey. So they're going to free these people and bring them democracy by telling the guy who's dominating them to get out of town. If he doesn't, they'll slaughter the people. What ridiculous... There's no logic involved in this at all. Then I transposed it. The idea hit me. I said, now look what's happened since 2001, this very fortunate event with 9-11 and the towers, because they could never have kicked off this totalitarian phase of the agenda without it. And by God, have we really gone along with this as we get entertained to death. Just explaining after watching the control room video to do with uh, how it was in the Al Jazeera headquarters during the Iraqi invasion invasion of Iraq you should say how things really went and what was interesting too was when they talked to some of the American troops who were captured these young guys of course they're all gung-ho to go off and, and play soldier. And that's what they are because young guys don't mature till much later in life. One minute they're, they're chasing around trees and going bang, bang, you're dead. The next minute they're dressing up just like the video games and just like their heroes in the movies, the tough guys, with real weaponry. And that's as far as they think. They don't, they don't think beyond that. So they ask these POWs, why are you here? Why are you over here killing us? And one guy said, well, I was told to come. I thought, what a great excuse, you know. I was told to come here. It, it kind of made me think of the bulk of the population in all countries that put up and go along with everything that's done to them by governments. Who just tell you to go and go, go, and, and you go. And why were you here? I was told to come here. Another one who'd learned his, his lines well through the, the very fast indoctrination they get, he said he was there to, to spread democracy. And that's what the guy said to him. You're killing people. So the option for democracy is we'll, we'll kill you unless you accept democracy. And I thought about it too, that, that this young soldier obviously hasn't a clue about democracy because... He would have asked a simple question, do we have that back home? And the answer would obviously be no. So a form of indoctrinated madness, and that is what you have in brainwashing, works very well, incredibly well. That's what you'll hear coming out of brainwashed people in controlled situations, is they're downloading 
they'll answer you according to what they've been downloaded with. And they haven't thought beyond that download, believe you me. And to all the other ears around them, it will sound weird, their, their, their answers and their excuses. But to themselves, because of their indoctrination, it sounds correct. We've heard this before, the same kind of stuff, at the Nuremberg trials. I was just doing my duty. I was just following orders. And you know, even Martin Luther King said something. A few things actually that were poignant. But he said, no one should obey an unlawful order. And no one should obey laws that were unjust. Unjust. As we go deeper and deeper into this very well-planned, worldwide, socialist agenda that's been worked out for a long, long time by the Fabians and all the other foundations that work with them. The parallel government, as it's called by those inside of it, sometimes openly. As we go deeper and deeper into it, a strange thing happens. People, those who are, are more easily conditioned by propaganda will immediately succumb to the propaganda. They'll, they'll start parting global warming without even checking a thing out for themselves. They'll, they'll start spying on each other or if a neighbor is watering the, the, the grass because they're saying uh, in America and Canada where it's poured all summer long. Uh, do you know there's people in Africa not, who don't have enough water? And you're supposed to cut back watering your lawns in Canada, where it's rained all of June and July for the second year in a row. See, what I'm saying is logic doesn't work, doesn't come into the equation of brainwashing. Doesn't need to come in. People were literally, that's why they could write thousands of years ago when they wrote Revelation in the Bible. And believe you me, it was the Gnostics that wrote that part. In typical Gnostic language. When they talked about how, how people would turn on each other, why was that? And even children would turn on their parents. Why was that? It's because it's been, it's been done before in ancient times. This, these techniques were known in ancient times. The world's a very, very old place, you know. And kings and tyrants have been around for an awful, awful long time. And when one tyrant goes down, there's a whole staff of bureaucrats and advisors move to some other tyrant and give him the inside scoop on how to dominate the public even better. These are old sciences, old, old sciences, because they understood and understand today how the general public think. Terrible, isn't it? Most folk don't know they're brainwashed. That's, that's the beauty of it. The ones who are brainwashed don't know they are brainwashed. There's ads on Canadian television now from Greenies, paid for by the government now, who come on and tell you, as they, as they, as they stand next to a lake, that the world, the world is running short of water. And with the massive increases in, in, in population expected by 2050, there's going to be massive problems. And you look at these young people uh, that have come straight through school into college, parting this, and all that's missing is a swastika on the, back, on the, arm, the armband. That's all that's missing. Or the hammer and sickle. Because, you see, they've already had the ideological indoctrination, and it works. It works perfectly well. And one day, one day, perhaps, after they've slaughtered enough people on the planet, they satisfy 
the bloodlust at the top of those who pretend to care as they want to kill us off and admit, and admit they want to kill us off perhaps one day there'll be other trials and these people are, who are not ads today was well I was only doing my job I was only doing my job how many surgeons out there paid for by the United Nations and all the NGOs under their umbrella group under family planning how many of them could stand up one day in court and say well I was only doing my job as they sterilized thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people the sad part of it is it doesn't seem to matter what time of history there's always plenty of them will, will, will go up there for the job there's no end of people who'll do anything for a paycheck if it's authorized I've talked about these experiments before and I've proven it in the States it's on my website the links to the videos on, on the guys who tested out electric voltage shocks on supposedly volunteers to find out that those who will administer the shocks will, will, will give them lethal doses if it was real as long as someone in authority tells them to do it takes the can you see they'll do anything someone asked me years ago aren't you scared of ghosts Alan I says I'm more, more scared of the living ghosts never hurt anybody it's the living you got to be scared of and by that I mean people that seem to be to be classified as normal, decent people. What does that mean? They follow the present cultural norms. They'll offer you a second cup of coffee. They'll ask you if you're okay. These are the same people who can be turned so quickly into ratting on each other like they're doing in Britain and elsewhere because they're brainwashed and they cannot think for themselves, they can't think through any particular problem or topic, and they will never check up on any topic for themselves. They're quite content with the media and political opinion. That's the scary part of the world. And the only hope there is, the only hope, to be honest with you, is within the U.S. itself. That's why I think it's going to get hammered more than any other country. They still have a memory, a memory at least, of having rights. The rest of the world really doesn't have that. But in the U.S., people are less complacent. They'll complain about things if things are wrong. Right down to service, right out down to what they buy in stores. They're not afraid to get in the face of someone and demand that they get a decent product or whatever it is. In places like Canada, people stand in, in lines like cattle and never complain about anything. Because they tried out to see the system of socialism with little variations across the British Empire. Little variations to see what works the best and the easiest. And Canada has been used as one of their main tools and examples for an awful long time. And after getting on about Bush and his crew, don't think there's a difference between Obama. Obama is just the one who takes over and carries on the same agenda and notches it up a little bit, pushes the envelope. That's his job. This agenda is only one agenda. There can only be one. That's what they say in all the sci-fi movies. There's, there can be only one. There's only one agenda. It was decided an awful long time ago. 
And as Professor Carl Quigley said, it doesn't matter who you vote for, the top boys all belong to the Council on Foreign Relations. doesn't matter, you see. Guaranteed, that's why they're pre-selected. The characters that put up for you to vote for. It is no different than the Politburo system of the ex-Soviet Union. Who do you want to vote for, Politburo member? One, two, three, or four. Here you have world socialists. One, two, three, four, how many? It's the same thing. There's one world agenda. And it's not going to be a nice, happy place where it's crossing hands across the sea. And we shake them. And all accept each other. That's got nothing to do with it. It's a dominated system. Dominated by a few. Designed a long time ago. And the whole world is to be standardized. No favorite countries. No favorite countries. And any president or prime minister since they signed agreements in California to do with the United Nations in about 46 or so, no one has stood up for the people because they all knew what was signed back then. They're all briefed on all the treaties that have been signed through the UN and the UN was set up to become a front for global governments. You see? It's amazing how they can trot out the flags and the symbols of the tribe during election time to make you feel like you've got a leader of your tribe. And once it's done and they're in, they're off signing agreements for the integration of the Americas and throwing money across the planet to other countries, etc. It's astonishing. And it works so well, so easy, isn't it? The tribal emblems. When the tribes were sold out, at the end of World War II under the treaties of the United Nations. Any country that backs out of it is called a rogue state by the UN. Every prime minister and every president since then knows this. They know this. This is a must-be thing that I do. It's like a, a vocation, you might say, because we've no choice. It's kind of pointless to think about uh, careers, etc., when the world is going through the biggest upheaval it's had for centuries. And that's a direct quote, actually, from one of Kissinger's talks not so long ago. Therefore, what I'm doing is a must-be. It has to be said for the public who, if it's said in the right way, or the right information is presented, they kind of start thinking. They come out of their slumber gradually. They come out of their indoctrination from the 6 o'clock news on mainstream and the things maybe for the first time start to make sense to them because truly we've been taken over completely over a long term haul by really a single society the professor Carl Quigley advisor to the State Department and the Pentagon and a whole bunch of other places as well is picking uh, road scholars for world leadership like Bill Clinton he said himself that uh, this is a new feudal system they're bringing in and it will be run by the CEOs of corporations all working together, running the world in a socialistic, uh, collectivist fashion with the elitist and the scientific elite at the top. And this is what they're now calling governance, global governance. There is no democracy. You simply obey and do what you're told. I should mention, too, that uh, on my site, my website, you can find ways to order my books, etc., uh, and how to donate to me. 
your help is greatly appreciated. And for those who donate, uh, that's, I'm telling you, it's just the same people who keep me going time after time because we live in a world of the me generation. After Bernays introduced the American system of consumerism, he got together with uh, Lord Bertrand Russell, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and he's brought over to England, despite his nephew still works there yet, advising the British government. Remember, they're all descended from Freud, these characters. But they all decided to, uh, under Russell's instructions, to create an egocentric society where people lived for themselves and themselves alone. So the world would revolve around them and they'd be hedonistic. That's what Russell said. That's why they brought Bernays over to, to get his uh, technique applied through school, through education, through media, entertainment, etc. Because part of the problem was for government to come in in a totalitarian collectivist system, which they'd planned a long time ago, over 100 years ago, they had to abolish cohesion amongst com communities. And what they did there, by the way, was so easy, they simply brought in government agencies to help in welfare and stuff like that, Meals on Wheels, where people used to meet each other, help each other out, and so on. That was the start of it. And now when someone loses their job or hits hard times, even their neighbors will say, well, there's always welfare. See, that destroyed community. So government took over the responsibilities and of, of the community, helping each other out, which is all part of the bonding process. Natural, kind, decent things to do. Because when it's your turn and you're in trouble, they'd help you out as well. The role of government is to make sure that they, uh, they eliminate all Outsiders, and that also includes insiders, family members to uh, destroy the family unit so that government, when it comes down to you with your number, there'll be no one to stand up for you at all. That was planned, written about, as I say, read the Russell's books and all the rest of them. They, they talked about it and have never, ever gone off track with their plans and their agendas. When they make them, they follow them right through to the end. And we've all seen uh, the, the trends... Uh, in the last few years since 9-11, the big kickoff for the New World Order, that's what it was for. Worldwide, we've seen the big transition into getting the public to accept torture through even movie, movies and dramas, serial dramas on television. We actually see some people shooting detainees in the legs. Of course, it's a good idea because they must get the information to save the bridge from getting blown up and stuff like that. But that's all to condition you. Uh, th this is uh, a different society you're now in. It's called governance, as I said. It's where you jump when you're told to jump and you obey. Or they'll fry you. They'll f literally fry you. They'll electrocute you with their cattle prods, which they call tasers. I hope people really understand that that's what they're using on the public. Cattle prods, it's a different name. Because, you see, H.G. Wells said a long time ago that he and many others who wrote fiction and non-fiction, he said, sure, fictional work. Same with Arthur Kostler, who worked and admitted uh, eventually uh, for MI5. Kostler uh, said that, um, and Wells said, they tried for 50 years to change the mindset of the populations into how they should be thinking, meaning what they wanted you all to think through fiction. And Wells was complaining that they'd have to go much harder and become more brutal with the beasts, basically. That's the general population to speed up the process because the propaganda technique, the insertion of predictive programming and novels and movies was just getting too slow. 
There's nothing happening today that wasn't planned and discussed and the ways of implementation gone through in minute detail a long time ago. Look at the Rand Corporation. Everybody's name on the planet is in there. And we're all treated as little egocentric, hedonistic beings that will avoid pain and seek pleasure. And anyone else's pain is simply disregarded. That's the society they've brought in. Therefore, it's easy to control the animals when everybody else can get pushed in front of them before it's their turn to be executed. The Washington Post wrote an article August 26, 2009. CIA releases its instructions for breaking a detainee's will. Now remember, don't think for a minute that detainees are simply about over there. The reason you've had so many articles about torture uh, overseas and camps and so on is to get you used to the idea because it's shortly coming here to familiarize you with it. And it'll be just like the Soviet Union. When they come for your neighbor, you will say automatically, even though you thought it was a nice guy, you'll say, well, they must have done something wrong. And that's all you'll think about it. That's how it worked in the Soviet Union. It's coming here. It says by uh, Joby Warwick, Peter Finn, and Julie Tate. It says, as the session begins, the detainee stands naked except for a hood covering his head. Guards shackle his arms and legs and then slip a small collar around his neck. The collar will be used later, according to CIA guidelines for interrogations. It will serve as a handle for slamming the detainee's head against a wall. This is official stuff. After removing the hood, the interrogator opens with a slap across the face to get the detainee's attention, followed by another, other slaps, the guidelines state. Next comes the head slamming or walling, which can be tried once to make a point or repeated again and again. Twenty or thirty times consecutively as bashing your head against a wall. It's permissible, the guidelines say, if the interrogator requires a more significant response to a question, and if that fails, there are far harsher techniques to be tried. Five years after the CIA's secret detention program came to light, much is known about the spy agency's decision to use harsh techniques, including waterboarding. That's when they, they try and drown you to pry information from alleged al-Qaeda, and it is alleged because we've had exposés on national television where the troops simply rounded up whole bunches of people and brought them all in for interrogation, just crowds in the street, just grabbing them. They fulfilled quotas. It says now with the release late Monday of guidelines for interrogating high-value detainees, the agency has provided, in its own words, the first detailed description of the step-by-step -step procedures used to systematically crush a detainee's will to resist by eliciting stress, exhaustion, and fear. The guidelines, along with thousands of pages from other newly released documents, also show how the CIA gradually imposed limits on the program and eliminated some of the most controversial practices after the agency's medical advisors protested. Too so scared to have them too many deaths in their hand. They had a lot of deaths in their hand, by the way, but nobody gives a damn because it's a defeated country they were doing it. See? Still by December 30th, 2004, the date of the CIO memo that outlines the guidelines to the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel, agency interrogators had grown adept at using sleep deprivation, stress positions, that's when you're crouched in a little cell and you can't sit down, you stand 24 hours a day, and you just can't even get down to sit, and sometimes multiple methods to create a state of learned, now this is very important for everyone that's listening, a state of learned helplessness and dependence.
because this state of learned helplessness and dependence is being used across the world as we get used to obeying cops and military uniforms and all kinds of home security, etc., etc. They want you to feel completely helpless and dependent on being told what to do. You become dependent on your abusers. This is a technique not just used within the prison camps, but it's also outside as well. You're all being trained. And all this hullabaloo about terrorism was utter rubbish from the beginning. For a world society, as was said years ago, for a world society to come in, they'd have to find a substitute for war because they'd have to bring in a world state. You always find enemies within. That's what the Soviet Union did once they'd won. They had to find enemies within, terrorists within, you see. That's standard procedure. But that average person, when they see all these cops out in force and these guys in uniforms and combat gear with machine guns and so on, that's teaching you to be fearful, a state of learned helplessness and dependence. Don't forget that. So certain interrogation techniques place the detainee in more physical and psychological stress and therefore are considered more effective tools, according to the memo released from a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit filed by Amnesty International USA and the American Civil Liberties Union. The CIA on Tuesday declined to comment on the memo, which was written by an agency lawyer whose name was redacted from the document. But agency spokesman George Little noted that the interrogation program operated under guidelines approved by top legal officials of the Bush administration's Justice Department. Well, we know who they all are, because I've read articles before uh, on this. The program, which always constituted a, pr a fraction of the CIA's counter-terrorism efforts, is over little said. Agency is, as always, focused on protecting the nation today and into the future. We're cutting through the matrix, reading an article from the Washington Post to do with torture, which is still ongoing, by the way. It says here, as outlined in the memo, the agency's psychological assault on a detainee would begin immediately after his arrest. With blindfolds and earmuffs, he would be deprived of sight and sound during the flight to the CIA's secret prison. You know, this is, this is the stuff that, that people used to have rebellions over in previous centuries, with their secret courts and their secret prisons and their secret torture and all the rest of it. It says here he would have no human interaction except during a medical checkup. I guess that's true because the brutes would be slamming his head against a wall you can't classify as human. But there's lots of them. In the initial days of detention, an assessment interview would determine where the captive would cooperate willingly by providing information on actionable threats. They've had programs on television, as I say, where they just were about to fulfill the quotas, just like Vietnam. They start shooting at anybody at all around them just to get the number count. And I've got I put video links up about that, too, from guys who took part in it. Same thing here. They have to get a quota every, every day or every week, and they just go out into the crowded streets and grab people and pull them in, people who knew nothing. It says if no such leads were volunteered, a coercive phase would begin. So that's the kind of world, you see, we're getting used to, because to bring in this new world order that Fabian Socialist uh, Mr. Prime Minister Brown and all the other Fabian Socialists they want depopulation and a controlled, limited population. 
and an obedient population, they have to use the brute force now. And it's fear they're using, plus coercion uh, by threats of using force on the general public in every country. And they're making sure we all know about the tasering incidents and the fact that nothing happens to any of the cops that use them. That's a message to us, you see. Different times, things have changed. And they had to kick it off. As I say, the century of change was talked about by academia and the eugenicists, now called bioethics committees, etc., uh, in the last century. And they said that this would be the century of change, when all of this would change. What do you think century of change means? It's a completely changed system. Because brute force must be used with the brutes, you see. We're not people anymore, we're just simple brutes who don't know any better. And that's how you manage simplized and simplistic brutes, you see. And people are getting conditioned to to put up with it because it's going to get an awful lot worse as they rush ahead. There's an article out of Montana. It's called the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, August the 27th. Oath keepers aim to curb federal power with a bushy red beard, impish grin, and sandals, Elias, this is his, his altered name, doesn't look like a right-wing extremist. I'm interested in personal freedom, he said. Elias is working to make Montana the first state in the nation to create Oath Keepers chapters in every county. Oath Keepers, after forming last spring, is comprised mostly of military and law enforcement personnel aiming to resist what it sees as a federal government overstepping constitutional boundaries. It's time for the people to take the government back to the 62-year-old alias, who until the name change was Franklin Shook. Since former U.S. Army paratroopers and Yale Law School grad Stuart Rhodes founded the national organization months ago, state groups have rapidly sprung up with highway patrolmen, military, county sheriffs, police officers, and according to the group, U.S. Department of Homeland Security employees signing on to stand against overreaching federal authority. It's amazing, it's people within it that suddenly stand up. The general public are just, you know, chewing away on the cud as they watch television and get entertained. So I'm getting calls from all over the country from concerned people, said Elias, who lives in Willow Creek and is the editor of a new publication, The Gallatin County Patriot. Says the alarm is out there. While in office, President George Bush used the war on terror to make Americans afraid, and he's dead on with it. That was the purpose of the whole planned uh, 9-11 deal. He says the goal was to expand executive power under the guise of national security concerns, he said. And that's true. That is true because if you look at the policy for a new American century, the group that comprised it with Wolfowitz and all the rest of them, and you see who they were trained under Strauss, he believed in Nazism, he believed in the superior, the superior being, he believed in eugenics, and he taught uh, Rumsfeld and uh, these characters Cheney, etc. So he's right on. The goal is to expand executive power under the guise of national security concerns. That's right out of Strauss's mouth, basically. Under that leadership, the Patriot Act and other maneuvers skirting established legal protections eroded constitutional mandates. These actions expanded federal authority over the states and increased surveillance of American citizens. Of course it was. Fear should not be a part of our daily lives, he said. And now President Barack Obama isn't reversing those executive maneuvers, Rhodes said. Before forming Oath Keepers, Rhodes had been warning folks for years about the dangers he sees in America's increasingly centralized power structure. And what does it say in the Communist Manifesto? Now that we're in collectivism, that you must get the absolute power 
centralized, centralized government, centralized power. But during the past several months, as a new administration stepped up, Rhodes' message has started to resonate with a larger segment of Americans, he said. They're kind of freaking out, Rhodes said, of the conservative flock. Meanwhile, Elias, a Vietnam vet who speaks with a drawl befitting someone who spent most of his life in Tennessee, has also grown increasingly alarmed. He's scared his grandchildren won't have the freedoms he grew up with, he said. You know, if people leave it to everybody else to do it for them, that they're doomed. Simple as that. And as a site, it says here, $1,000 per day fine and 30 days in jail for refusing the swine flu vaccine in Massachusetts, question mark. A new law just passed in Massachusetts imposes fines up to $1,000 per day and up to a 30-day jail sentence for not obeying authorities, not obeying authorities during a public health emergency. Remember again what, what Lenin and then Stalin said, they'd create these agencies they would get services to begin with, then they become authoritarian institutions over the public. Well, that's what this is all about, too. Very old plan, and you're living through the last phase of it. It says here, so if you're instructed to take the swine flu vaccine in Massachusetts and you refuse, you could be facing fines that will bankrupt you and a prison sentence on top of that. Now, one of the definitions, the criteria for totalitarianism and tyranny is when you're coerced into a position with no exit left. No exit left. You just do what you're told because there's no exit, there's no way out. Nothing is left. There are no choices. If you have not realized it yet, the controversy over swine flu vaccinations is, is about to get very, very real. The authorities know that a lot of people are extremely concerned about the safety of the swine flu vaccine, and they're putting the infrastructure in place to deal with those dissenters. That's what the camps are all about. Let's hope that the worst case scenario of the swine flu does not take place, but the reality is that the health authorities across the United States are gearing up for the biggest vaccination campaign in the nation's history. It looks like this fall could be very, very interesting. Well, no kidding. No kidding, eh? Now, we'll go to the phones now, and we'll take Mike from Ohio, if he's there. Is Mike there? Yes, I'm here. Yes. How are you doing, Alan? Now, hanging in here. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, and the first one is, how in the world did we ever get into this mess? Mm-hmm. Well, the, I, it's, I, it's it, quite it, easy. The, the guys literally started this agenda... A hundred years ago, with the big foundations, with the, with the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, that has branches in every country, and all of their members now are the heads of every country. And they did it in a Fabian style of training people intergenerationally to accept small changes. But when you add them all up over 60 years or 70 years, they've turned your society upside down. If they'd done it all at once, people would have rioted and rebelled and overthrown them. But you accept all the small changes incrementally, and, and until until they've arrived, that's what the Fabian uh, that's what Fabian socialism means. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, it, but I, I just still can't. I myself, years ago, I'm a Vietnam vet, and mm-hmm. I, I noticed things, and I'd say things to my parents about, ah, nah, you're not, you know. But yep. 20 years ago, I said sooner or later there's going to be. A, a, a revolt in this country with the things that they're, you know, the taxes and everything else that they're, all the other little things that they're doing. Yeah. I've noticed it, but I never ever would have dreamed that I'd see things like 
happening like they are in these days, you know. Yes. I mean, think of it too. I mean, it's one thing after another. As, as I say, in, in the last few hundred years, we've never had so many crises, real or imagined, thrown at us since 2001. Uh, coming plagues, it was bird flu, that faded away, that went away with the birds. And uh, then a swine flu, a, a bank crash planned, uh, of course, to rape the public. You're right, hold on and we'll come back after this break. We're cutting through the matrix, talking to Mike from Ohio, who's, uh, who asked me a question, how on earth did we get here? And, and to be honest with you, again, scientific indoctrination, and that also includes entertainment, a big, big part of it. Uh, just enjoy yourself, uh, be happy, don't think about anything else. Plus, they gave them for 20 years of throwing credit cards at them and uh, and allowing them to go and play and buy things. While all of these big institutions were setting up, they didn't notice uh, the massive police forces, really an army getting built up in sight under the guise of drugs, now with helicopters and tanks and all the rest of it. They didn't notice these things. They noticed very little outside the mainstream media. And it's very true what Brzezinski said in his book, Between Two Ages, the public will shortly be unable to reason for themselves because they were training them then uh, only to believe the mainstream media, and that's all they would talk about. If, it, if you saw something with your own eyes and tried to explain it to someone, they'll ignore you if it wasn't on mainstream. Yeah. Scientific indoctrination. You still there, Mike? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Alan, how do you think would be the best way to resist this when it starts to uh, actually rationalize on, on the streets? Like uh, like with these, uh, uh, the Obama's uh, uh, spy brigades and all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, really the way to resist it is just to nip it in the bud before it really gets off the ground. When everything, anything gets off the ground, it's generally too late because your back's against a wall. They're all throughout society. And, and, and the public, again, adapt very quickly uh, to, to new changes, and they just seem to accept it. And then they regret it much later on. You've got to nip these things in the bud and, and say that they're unconstitutional. You can't have secret societies uh, or, or juvenile cores of anything, whether it's Young Communist League or Hitler Youth or Obama's Youth. It makes no difference. It's all the same thing. It's got to be stopped now, and it's got to be by the will of the people. Because once it gets to the streets, uh, the reports that came out of the, the U.S. and British military think tanks for the next 30 years predict massive rioting and so on. Because, why did they predict it? Because they, know, they knew before they wrote it they were going to crash the banking system. They knew they were going to contract the food supply, restrict it, and they knew that they were going to bring us down into a state of simpler living, which literally means third world poverty status. So that's why they wrote this. And, and people were sitting, sleeping all through it and spending the last of their credit cards when all this was being said and done. Yeah. Do you remember after World War II what happened to the, the people that were running the newspapers? The they, were run, they were running them. I believe they did hang a couple of uh, newspaper editors after World War II in Germany, didn't they? Oh, yes. Yes, they did. They had... Um, they had Lord Ha-Ha and a couple of other ones. And in fact, by the way, people don't realize that one of the top Freemasons of Britain who started the, the Ordo Templi Orientis was actually one of the propagandists for the German media. And it turned out later he worked for MI6. That was, that was uh, Alistair Crowley. Well, I'm, I was just kind of hoping that people would 
wake up. I'm seeing it slow, but sure, but it's, I don't think it's happening fast enough. It's not happening fast enough, and people literally should... Uh, everybody's got to complain to all the right authorities uh, con constantly. Every day, bombard them, because... And you tell them you're not standing for it. Well, I've tried to talk to people, and some people are receptive, and others look at me like I'm nuts. You know. Oh, I know. Forget the ones who, who watch mainstream. Uh, I don't even waste time with them. Uh, you've got to help those who are, uh, who are thinkers. The rest of them are in the land of the dead. Their brains are dead. Uh, and it's the thinkers who end up being the doers and start motivating uh, others to do the same. From Hamish, myself, and to your Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.